0: Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills podcast. I'm Providence Journal sports editor Bill Corey, and with me is Red Sox writer Bill Koch. Hey, Bill. Bill, how are we? Good, good. Uh, It is a uh, Tuesday here in lovely downtown Providence. The Red Sox are about to open a homestand against uh, Mike Trout and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And as I looked at my Providence Journal standings today... Uh, I see that the Red Sox are trailing the Yankees by a mere half a game. Mm-hmm. Still lead the league in wins, I believe, at uh, 52. They've played more games than the Yankees, right. yes. Uh, and I think it's going to be a common theme through the summer with the Red Sox and Yankees vying for that top spot. Sox coming off a uh, up-and-down and, and then-up weekend uh,
1: against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, what do you make of the weekend? Um, good to win two out of three, obviously. They, they've made it a point this season that they're trying to win every series you do that you win two out of three or three out of four whatever it may be you're gonna have a pretty good record at the end and you know 52 and 27 speaks to that Um, I think it was really important to have Chris Sale pitch the way he did on Sunday I think that's exactly what you want out of your ace when you split the first two games of a three-game set you want Chris Sale to go out there and be dominant and I don't know if he's ever been more dominant than he was on Sunday. Yeah, he
0: looked he looked just filthy, right? Seven innings, 13 strikeouts. I think he scattered like four hits. Uh, the, he's exactly what you want in an ace.
1: The crazy thing for me, Bill, in this game was Seattle hitters swung and missed 26 times, which was a career high for sale. Hmm. He only threw 22 balls wow. in the game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's nuts. That, yeah. That's the first time he's ever done that in his career, had more swings and misses than he's thrown balls. He started 197 games it's just absurd to think that he can do that to major league hitters but when you look at the stuff that he had on Sunday throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs throwing sliders to lefties that started as strikes and ended off the plate outside uh you know you could ask Kyle Seager who took a hat trick struck out three times and wasn't close at any point probably should have asked for a day off (laughs) um you know it it was just dominance from Chris Sale and you know it's something that you really hoped you would see, after he sort of faded down the stretch last year and struggled uh, in a postseason start, they've been very careful about managing his workload. And, you know, I think to this point in the season anyway, it's, it's worked so far.
0: Well, that's the, that's the thing. That's what we're all waiting to see. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's no secret how good Chris Sale is. I mean, look at his numbers now. Uh, he's got 153 strikeouts uh, through, uh, through June know, by far leading the team, the ERA is around two and a half, uh, doing everything you can ask of. But obviously, you know, the uh, with the Red Sox and with the expectations that the fans have for this team, you know, it's it's what's he going to look like come September, right?
1: that's right that's right he's going to be defined by his start whether it be in a wild card game or in the American League division series and and then beyond that you know into an and uh American League championship series that's where legacies are made that's where guys like Kurt Schilling John Smoltz Andy Pettit You know Just to name a few In recent years In my mind Sort of cemented Their legacies Madison Bumgarner Is another Um, You know It's the It's the Peyton Manning And and Tom Brady debate When you look at Clayton Kershaw And Madison Bumgarner And you say, which guy would you rather have? The Colts slash Dodgers fans would say, I want Clayton Kershaw because he's phenomenal. During and he, the season. Right. And he is a better pitcher than Madison Bumgarner right. if you look at the numbers. The Patriots slash Giants fans would say, give me Madison Bumgarner because he performs when you need to perform.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so uh, the Red Sox, as I, as I mentioned, opened up against the Angels tonight. And I think you made the point... Uh, few minutes ago when we were talking off the air that we're probably going to have the three best American League hitters in Fenway Park tonight.
1: No, it's it's incredible. Uh, at this point, you're looking at, in the American League standings, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and J.D. Martinez. Um, in terms of where they sit in some key offensive categories here, uh, you know, just, just look at on-base percentage. Trout is one. Betts is two. Slugging percentage. Bets is one. Trout is two. OPS. Trout is one. Betts is two. Total bases. Martinez is one. Trout is two. I, I mean, you could just go. And home runs. Trout, Martinez, and Jose Ramirez from the Indians are all tied with 23 leading the league. So it's it's an embarrassment of riches at Fenway over the next three days. And, you know, it's your one chance annually to appreciate the game's best player and that's Mike Trout and the fact that he is 26 he turns 27 shortly and just hitting his prime really is which is just amazing, hitting his physical right? prime is, is he's a phenomenal player and someone who you know if you're a Red Sox fan you should take the time to appreciate over the next three nights
0: absolutely uh so looking forward to uh, to three uh entertaining and hopefully good games uh if you're a Red Sox fan uh and uh as, as you mentioned uh, the Red Sox have of a, a pretty good stretch here. They've got uh, they've got the Angels. Then they go to New York, and then they go to uh, Washington D.C. And obviously, everyone is uh, gearing up for the weekend series in down in the Bronx. Uh, you you will obviously be there. Uh, you know, this Yankees Red Sox summer has just been. I mean, it's been great because I think as a fan of either team, you want the other team um, to be competitive. Now, maybe a lot of. <laughs> Maybe a lot of fans don't agree with that. They want the other team to stink, but right. uh, I think uh, I think it's it's more fun when both teams are good and they are both really good this year.
1: Of course, it is. You you want both teams to be good. You want them both to be competitive and, and be capable of winning the World Series because that sort of glorifies the victory a little bit. You know, if the Red Sox were twenty games ahead of the Yankees or vice versa, and you stomp them and sweep them in three games. It's no big deal. You can gloat, sure. You're kicking someone while they're down, but you're not really punishing them in any way. You're not really taking anything away from them. Uh, But at this point, with those two teams, you know, 15 games ahead in the division, uh, Toronto, Tampa, and then Baltimore, obviously, is like 29 back. They're not team race. You know, none of those three are coming anywhere. Um, There are legitimate stakes here. In terms of you win the division, you avoid that wild card game. So you know that you know these games that are left against New York, and there's still three series left uh, against New York. Uh, actually, there may be four. There might be four one more, series yeah, left: yeah. two in New York and two in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, so those games are critical. Those those count double. And uh, you know we'll see three of those over the weekend here at Yankee Stadium, and it's guaranteed to be a great atmosphere, like it was the first time. Well, what
0: what I uh, love about these two teams when they're like this is they both. Just carry uh, tremendous rosters and look at the Yankees lineup, right with Judge and Stanton uh, and Sanchez, and the Red Sox lineup is not that far off.
1: Well, the the Sox are going to get a little bit of a break here because Gary Sanchez just went on the disabled list. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> if you're a Red Sox fan. You know sure. that's that, yeah. that's going to help. Uh, you know he suffered an injury over their weekend series. Um, you know, but the your point is well taken. The the rest of the Yankees, you know, Giancarlo Stanton had a five for five day the other day. Aaron Judge is the rookie of the year. Glaber Torres looks like he's probably this year's rookie of the year. Uh, Miguel Andujar is a complete surprise at third base. You know, someone who was brought up when Brandon Drury got hurt, and you're thinking you know he's going to be a stopgap for a couple weeks, and he started hitting and hasn't stopped. Um, you know, and the Yankees have gotten enough out of their pitching staff. It's been just enough. Luis Severino has been outstanding at the top. Uh, I still think they're a little thin in terms of starters. Uh, you know, behind Severino, you have your questions about Sonny Gray or CC Sabathia or a couple of the younger guys they've brought up, uh, and, and I really think they're in a position, whether it be financially or prospect-wise, where they'll be very active at the trade deadline in terms of trying to add a starter. Yeah, you got to believe they will be. I mean, I, I
0: would think that the Yankees are thrilled with where they are. Because, Absolutely. Because, you, you know, I think going into the season, most people would say, well, they're going to do something at the uh, at the deadline, and and they're right. You know, I mean, they're in first place in the division, and they're doing it with, as you said, a, a sort of a questionable pitching staff after Severino. And I gotta believe they're going to add an arm uh, come come the trade deadline, I and mean, that's what the Yankees do.
1: Yeah, and and you know, the difference between the Yankees now and and some of the Yankees teams of old is that. Brian Cashman has taken very deliberate steps to reload that farm system and, and you're seeing it now the players that they're producing at this point now Torres Chief among them uh, and obviously Severino was a guy who they brought through. Um, you know, guys in their bullpen, some of the younger arms they have, um, you know, have, have been brought through. Sanchez, Judge uh, have been brought through by by the Yankees, uh, and that helps keep your costs down. You don't need to go out and pay Alex Rodriguez thirty five million a year. Um, the CC Sabathia contract is coming to an end shortly. The Mark Teixeira contract is off the books, uh, and that allows you to either be a player in free agency when someone like Mike Trout or Bryce Harper becomes available or allows you to add salary at the deadline. And and that's certainly an area that the Red Sox might have a little bit of trouble because they're right up against the luxury tax. They've made no secret that they don't necessarily want to add salary. Uh, And so for them to strengthen their team at the deadline, they might be required to move a major league piece to get another major league piece back. Speaking of
0: uh, Red Sox at the deadline, I mean, I think they need uh, some help in the pen. You know, I'm sure there's some other areas that they could address, but to me, that's their, th- they need a bridge to, to, to correct Kimbrell, somebody who they can rely on. Now, Kelly's been, for the most part, good, mm-hmm. uh, and they've had some other guys step into that role, but I would like to see another person who can you can just really
1: rely on in that eighth inning. The, the guys they're looking at right now, obviously, for that role, are Joe Kelly, who's been very good this year, Matt Barnes, who's been very good this year, and of course, they're waiting for Tyler Thornburg to come back, who is on a second rehab assignment in Pawtucket. He's much less certain at this point. Right? Uh, that's that's much more a wait and see. Uh, you know, folks want a definite bridge. Last year, it was Addison Reed who they traded for, mm-hmm. but because of their financial situation, they had no hopes of retaining Addison right. Reed. He signed a three-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal with the Twins. Um, and the Red Sox were nowhere close in terms of being able to match that or offer something similar. Um, what they would be going for here, in my mind, would be strictly a rental. Um, you know, and, and the market for those guys is always an interesting one. There is value there to be had, uh, but exactly what the Red Sox can and will part with is a question. Um, in terms of prospects, Jay Groom just had Tommy John surgery. Michael Chavis was suspended 80 games for using Yeah, there's PAs. not a lot there. Y- you're looking at maybe some mid-level guys like can Jalen Beeks attract some attention? He's had a good year at AAA. Yeah. Does maybe a team in the National League look at him and see him as a fourth or fifth starter right now going forward? Someone who they could use and they could send you back some sort of reliever to help out. Uh, you know, does someone like Josh Akami, who's, you know, double A first baseman at Portland right now, uh, an impact bat, you know, do they see him in the future down the line? Does someone see redeeming value in Sam Travis? Maybe. Uh, he's sort of taken a step back here this year in Pawtucket. He's had a very difficult time hitting. His OPS was hovering around 600 last I checked, which yeah. is really not very good. Um, but the top of the top of the system is not going to yield the sort of splashy, you know, big name like a Brad Hand from San Diego, not in a one-for-one trade. You're going to have to give up more than that. Uh, There's been some other news
0: this week um, involving the Red Sox, and this involves somebody who's no longer on the team and uh, didn't involve news on the field, and that's, of course, this uh, Hanley Ramirez uh, situation, Mm. which uh, first came to light uh, Friday afternoon with a tweet by a uh, Boston reporter saying there was a drug stop, Uh, I believe it was up in Lawrence or in that area, and uh, the person that was stopped FaceTimed Hanley saying, uh, well, alleging that the the drugs that were in his car belonged to Hanley, and boy, we had a kind of a strange weekend, The the agent comes out and denies it, the Globe has a story basically refuting it, um, what was your take on it? I thought it was just a weird kind of uh,
1: news story slash, uh, you know, follow-up. You know, confession first, as a journalist and someone who has done this for a while, it's difficult to be surprised by anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen enough things down the years where it's like, well, really, you know, like I'll, I'll go to someone like Aaron Hernandez, that awful story. Right. You know, where, where he is... Uh, You know, arrested, charged with murder. You know, you you might have friends outside the industry who say, "What?" You know, and we know better. We know well enough that there should be no surprises at this point. We don't really know these guys in their private lives. We see what they want us to see. Now, that being said, when you see that Hanley Ramirez, and and I think the tweet in question that you're referencing from Michelle McPhee said that Hanley Ramirez was being eyed in a federal investigation into drugs. An international drug ring well, That's going to move the headlines for sure uh, You know, It certainly wasn't something That I was expecting uh, By the end of the weekend You have a report from the Boston Globe That says there are affidavits And court documents That say Hanley was not involved in this That this was a friend who, your know, friend, acquaintance However you want to describe the gentleman in question Who was stopped by state police Who had a significant quantity of drugs In his vehicle and who did what a lot of us would do, I'm sure. He panicked. He picked the most famous name in his phone, which happened to be Hanley Ramirez, called him up thinking, maybe this guy can get me out of it. Maybe the state trooper's a Red Sox fan. Maybe he'll be impressed by the celebrity I have. Because at that point... You're a convicted drug dealer already. You're already a felon. You know where you're going. Mm-hmm. This isn't gonna end well. Uh, so at that point your survival instincts kick in and you think, What can I do? Now, is Hanley a little bit naive for answering the phone, you know, in a situation like that? Of course, but you know, that makes him naive. That doesn't make him a criminal. And I think this this sort of this sort of got out of control a little bit at the start and you know, really progressed to a place. I think a lot of people progressed it to a place that it never really should have gotten to. You no, know, and I think it speaks
0: to sort of the media world that we live in now, uh, with social media and these things taking off. Um, you know, there was really a never a police report that has Hanley Ramirez being charged with anything, correct? Uh, and I know that us here at the at, at the Journal, you know, we don't write stories about people who are charged with crime, uh, who are accused of a crime, unless they are actually charged with a crime. Uh, But, you know, that sort of goes out the window when there's a tweet and everybody's trying to get the story. And really, there was no other source other than they just kept, you know, they kept referring to that one tweet. Uh, And, um, you know, in in some ways, it's kind of unfair, I guess, to to Hanley. uh, uh, But, you know, it's just an odd development especially because it comes on the heels of Hanley being let go by the Red Sox and sure. everybody wanted to know why did the Red Sox do this they say it's a baseball move um, you know, we know about the $22 million. It was a money uh, move, too. Right. No for, question. For, for next year, if he reached a, a certain number of at-bats. But he wasn't going to get to those at-bats for a little while. So it kind of raised the question, well, why now? And is it clubhouse chemistry? They don't want to deal with Hanley sort of moping around if he's in, in the lineup. And then this happens. And then people started connecting the dots and saying, well, the Red Sox maybe knew this and wanted to get rid of it all at the same time, which, you know, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Um, but it's—I it, guess it is telling that Hanley has not been picked up by anybody who would only have to pay the absolute minimum to, to keep him at this point.
1: You know, Hanley is, uh, according to his Instagram account, anyway, he's hanging out in the Dominican Republic. He's on the beach. He's smoking cigars. He's riding dune buggies. Looks like a pretty good life to me. Yeah, uh, hey, he's getting paid fifteen million dollars to do that, uh, right? And he's made you know upwards of one hundred fifty million dollars in his career. Ideally, he'll never have to work again. That's mm-hmm. his choice. If he had offers from, say, the Orioles or the Rays to come back, do you really want to come back to the Orioles? You're 30 games out of first place. Do you really need to play baseball that badly? Yeah, that's his decision. Uh, you know the fact that there, the fact that he hasn't signed doesn't necessarily mean that there is no market for him. Uh, you look at someone like Adam Lind, uh, who's on the Paw Sox right now. He who helped in, them win a game recently, right, right? He was in AAA with the Yankees. Yep. Uh, asked for his release. The Red Sox picked him up. He's in AAA now. He's 30-something years old. A lot of guys who are at that point, who have made their money like Hanley has, they don't want to ride the bus. Oh, I can't imagine Hanley on the bus to Scranton-Wilkes-Barre or wherever else they go. And that's fine. You know, the Red Sox releasing him in the manner that they did, uh, they sort of lost the weight before they had the heart attack. (laughs) Whereas, you know, most people (laughs) have the heart attack and then say, oh my goodness, you know, I need to change my life. I need to eat differently. I need to start exercising. Um, They release him for financial reason before it became an issue you know, before he started to get benched for Mitch Moreland, before he might have started to run a foul of the clubhouse or Alex Cora, mm-hmm. in hindsight, I think it was a prudent thing to do because Mitch Moreland has been very good. Um, you know, and sure, you can say Hanley would have helped them against left-handed pitching. Hanley can hit in the postseason. Those are bridges out in the distance mm-hmm. for me. For now, for the immediate, I think it's worked out just fine. And you know, I, I would say to our listeners. Um, in terms of journalism here and, and the ethics involved, uh, some of you folks might not know. We'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Bill Corey is an adjunct professor at the University of Rhode Island. He teaches this sort of thing to students every day. And you know, I would imagine uh, you had some thoughts when this story broke on Friday and then when the Boston Globe report came out on Sunday about how it was handled in between, I wonder you know how you would handle that, either with your students or you know as a sports editor here. Well, my first thought when I saw the tweet was, uh,
0: "What does that mean?" You know, being eyed in an investigation. I, I thought it was a little thin, and then as as the days uh, went by and we saw you know the Globe come out with its story, um, you know, I just think it. And I just just as I mentioned, I think this just speaks to where we are as as uh, as journalists in twenty eighteen. You know, I think uh, ultimately uh, you need to uh, vet your sources. And, you know, when it comes to crime, this is not, you know... This is not sort of the rumor mill of this guy's going to be let go, he's going to be cut, he's going to be moved in the lineup, he's going to be traded, where, you know, if if you're relying on just kind of unnamed sources, and that's one thing, because we're talking about baseball. This is like real-life crime stuff, right? and, you know, there are reputations on the line, and there's libel suits that could be brought, and, you know, I have always uh, taught, and, you know, our policy, again, here is at, at the Journal, if you are uh accused of a crime we don't write about it unless there's a charge against you
1: you know unless there's a we're, formal there has to be a paper trail Paper trail time. that
0: says we we are charging bill cory with this crime or there's a warrant taken out for for um, you know and i think sometimes we lose sight of that when we're talking about celebrities and athletes uh and when there's a report like this um you know everybody jumps on it but um You know, to me, if there's this report and then two days later, there's another report that refutes it, you know, the damage is sort of done, right? The bell has been rung. Right. Now, we don't know. Maybe Hanley had something to do with this and we don't know uh, what the extent was. Or maybe, as you said, it was a friend or an acquaintance who got jammed up and got you know panicked and said i 'm going to call Hanley Ramirez because maybe the state cops like him and he can help me out of a jam you right. know whatever it is, but you know however you feel about it, there is now a certain perception about Hanley Ramirez that many of us did not have or know about a week ago
1: and the the previous per- see the the interesting thing to me in all this is the previous perceptions of Hanley Ramirez are he's this sort of dopey sort of goofy happy-go-lucky you know like sixth grader in a 34 year old's body who loafs around the field and runs around the clubhouse and sings karaoke and is kind of like the pied piper for the younger hispanic players (laughs) and then you're going to contrast that with this international drug ring mastermind (laughs) who's living separate lives and no one has found out about it. It doesn't, it doesn't seem jive. like those yeah. two could be the yeah. same person yeah. Who does knows? it no it doesn't you know doesn't. so so you're gonna you're gonna equate you know this guy who you thought was a goof for thirty four years, and all of a sudden now you're going to say he's running this sophisticated, high level fentanyl and heroin smuggling operation. That that just seemed like a major, major stretch to me.
0: Yeah, it could be that he just got in with the wrong people, or maybe didn't choose his friends, you know, wisely in, in this case. Who who knows? Sure. But right now, there are no charges against Hanley Ramirez, None. and he's not under any kind of investigation that, that we're aware of. No. So. Uh so let's go on to another former Red Sox player who didn't leave with uh in, in such a uh, uh uh I don't know clouded uh, way and that's uh and that's of course Pedro Martinez who we had the uh, yes. uh, pleasure of of hosting as our uh our featured guest at our annual All-States banquet uh, last week down here in Providence And I thought Pedro was uh, I thought Pedro was pretty good You were up on stage with him Along with our columnist Kevin McNamara Asking him questions what was, your, uh, what was your take on Pedro and his appearance?
1: Well he was exactly as advertised for me I know I spoke with a few of the beat writers In Boston about uh, what to expect Interviewing Pedro, sort of having a, a long form sit down. We probably did about, you know, was it about 20, 25 yeah, minutes with him on a stage? Half hour, yeah, uh, you know, And they all said pretty much the same thing that he was going to be expansive, giving, interesting, uh, at times defensive, at times very funny. Uh, and he was all those things and more, and and I think the crowd you know, responded to him well. It certainly seemed that way. He has a very relatable story from the standpoint that. You know, he was a kid who came from very humble beginnings, um, you know, was a guy who struggled through the early stages of his career, had some adversity, was typecast as a reliever by the Dodgers, and sort of carried a chip on his shoulder from that point on uh, after being traded to Montreal for Delano DeShields and then traded again to Boston. Um, it was only really in his last year with the Expos and then with the Red Sox that he started to turn into the pitcher he always believed he could be, and I think I think that was a really good lesson for the folks in attendance. Uh, You know, the fact that stick to itiveness has significant value, whether it be in athletics, in your personal life, at any point. Um you know, and just the flair that he has, the sort of relatability that he has, the way that he's able to deliver a story, I think it makes him perfect for the the sort of format that we had.
0: No he was, he was great uh, and you could tell even afterwards uh, you know the kids were flocking around him trying to get autographs and and he was uh, he was very agreeable you know to uh, his, his people were kind of shuffling him out of there, but he had no. He had no problem staying, I don't think.
1: You know, backstage, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to meet his wife, Carolina, who, mm-hmm. who was a very, very nice lady. Uh, she was standing backstage with, uh, you know, Pedro's representatives, and kids are flocking to the front of the stage, and Carolina just has this grin on her face like yeah I've seen this before <laughs> and I said you know thank you for for coming and you know for sharing him with us for lack of a better term and she said are you kidding he'd be out there all night if we didn't drag him <laughs> off the stage I said he loves this kind of stuff right right yeah
0: and uh, just a, a quick tip of the cap to Pedro um, one of the things that we did was we honored um, the both the Charahoe and Tollgate girls soccer teams um, both of whom had lost a player uh, last fall with the tragic deaths of Gianna Sorella and Matty Potts and we had what I thought was a very touching tribute and uh, Pedro actually surprisingly took part in that tribute Um, and I know a lot of people uh, sort of appreciated that and it was it was a good night all around I think that um, you know a lot of the uh, a lot of the players really uh, got a kick out of the event and uh, it was a nice way of just honoring our uh, our high school athletes.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, and, and I would say you did an excellent job at the podium trying to get through that uh, you know that presentation before no, that, that. was it, tough. It could not have been easy. Uh, you know, it was an absolutely terrible thing that happened last fall, obviously, with, with the deaths of those two girls. Um, you know, not an easy situation for anyone. But, you know, I thought it was important. To recognize the the two teams The coaching staffs, the communities uh, The grace and the strength That they showed Um, You know, the two mothers involved uh, Tara Rella and Stephanie Potts Were, you know, outstanding in terms of The video that they agreed To help us make before the ceremony Uh, The strength that that those two ladies have shown uh, You know, you, you Don't want to put yourself in their shoes And imagine what you would do But I think human nature sort of vaults you there And you know, the common refrain is, I don't know if I could have got through it. Uh, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids, Bill. I know you have two daughters, so you can relate to that much more. Uh, you know, I can only imagine what it's like when your kids are sick, let alone, you know, going to this point.
0: Yeah, you're right. But both, both moms were, were great, uh, throughout the whole, um, uh, the whole, uh, event, uh, planning up to it. And, And uh, we could not have asked for uh, just, you know, more cooperation from the teams, the coaches, and obviously the families. Uh, So with that, we will wrap up our latest Twin Bills podcast. Uh, Bill is going to be with the team here in uh, Boston when they host the Angels. And then we'll be hitting the road for the New York and Washington
1: trip. So, Bill, safe travels. And uh, we will do this again next time we are both in Providence. Thinking uh, next Friday could be the date uh, after we come back from Washington, and I'm you know, spending a little extra time in Washington on the off day Thursday. Um, Sounds nice, you know. But uh, no Kansas City for me. I'm going to miss the barbecue. <laughs> uh, that those were decisions to be made later on, uh, you know, in terms of travel. Uh, I traded Kansas City for the All Star Game, which right, which should have a, a fair amount of Red Sox. And, and that will be for our next podcast. Uh, the selections there will be. Be a little bit more in focus and I'm sure we can go in detail on those. Very good and until next time this is Bill Corey along with Bill
0: Koch for Twin Bills.